us in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I got to take my mask off. Wow. <laughs> but I can say with honesty, I would rather be here with you with mask and just worshiping you here with mask than being home watching television without a mask. So I, I, do, I do that anytime. So, wow. It is a privilege for us to be back again with the Nortland family. I actually, it's not too often I do that, but I, I reached out to Greg and says, I do. I do invite myself whenever you have an opening. <laughs> and, uh, and part of the reason is both because I have something, I believe, in my spirit for this season and for this time. Uh, but second, I just love this family. Uh, I, I love Greg and Michelle and my wife and myself. I, I've said it before, it's such a tremendous gift in our life. Uh, uh, sometimes you will not be entrusted with gain until you have experiencing loss. Yeah. And sometimes the level of loss has also to do with the level of gain you're being entrusted with. So uh, I, I do believe that I went through a season where the enemy was attacking and I lost two of my closest friends in a season. One who had traveled with me for about 15 years around the world and, and he was a covenant friend. It was like Jonathan and David and the other one, his name is Dr. Bob Phillips and he was another one, close covenant friend. And, and, and there was like an emptiness when, when something that is so close to you with covenant and when you lose somebody that you're in covenant with, it's more like losing a limp than having pneumonia and getting over it. You lose a limb, and then you have to learn how to live without that limb. It doesn't have to be if you go through good grief. It doesn't have to be a weakness. It can be a strength. Uh, but uh, in that season, I just had kept for about a year and a half, two years. My heart was, there was something missing because I had lost something. And then it was also during the time when Greg and Michelle came into our life and, and, and God replaced. Uh, and God just brought a new covenant relationship. Uh, one of my highlights when I'm home is just... Uh, Either Greg called me and I called him, and we get together at Houston Steak Restaurant. We've done that for quite a few years, and we have our Hawaiian ribeye steak. And then usually it's two and a half, three hours. We're sitting there, and, and it is not so much about sin management, but glory management. It's kind of it is iron sharpens irons, and we're just meeting there together, and, and I'm leaving that place always very refreshed. So I love this family. I love what God is doing in this season. I'm just recovering from uh, uh, COVID-19, so I'm safe. Uh, I have the antibodies. <laughs> yes, I can hug people again. But I'm wearing my mask in case that you feel that. Uh, but if you want to give me a hug, I am safe on my side. Uh, I cannot... I don't want to be, I said, I heard there's only seven people in the world that have received, I mean, that really have received it, that had the antibodies that received it again. So that means it's like winning lottery is a bigger chance. So I just want you to know if you want to hug me, I'm starving. My love tank is down, so I just need to squeeze me and fill up my love tank with some good hugs. And the uh, second thing I just have to say, I uh, did a little, little un not so much wisdom this morning, but it was cold, and I love these Norwegian sweaters. They can handle minus 20. But I realized when I walk inside a building and during <laughs> the heat of worship, and when the presence starts to come up, I realized, wow, that was maybe unwise. <clears throat> Because I'm, I'm boiling up here, and I don't think it is the fire of the Holy Spirit. I think it is just a Norwegian sweater. 
so let's watch this little video. And I think I want to just also to say we're hearing about testimony. I believe this video is also a testimony to you. You are uh, partners with us as, as a family. Uh, so we are doing these things together. And I had actually a very seldom, very seldom get pictures. Or, but twice during worship I got a picture. And I think I'm just going to share that up front because if not I forget when I get excited about my message. Uh, but anyway, I, the first thing I just saw, it, it, it was, there was this water that was coming out of this place. And it first just came in a wave. And then there was another wave. And then there was another wave. And then there was another wave. It was like four waves. And I was trying, trying to pray and ask the Holy Spirit what it was. And he says, the first wave that is going to come out of this place, and it's going to touch, it's going to touch this city and this region. And then he said there was another one that is going to also to touch, and it's going to actually influence America, but it's also going to influence Muslims and Hindu and a lot of it, because I, the picture he took me was, uh, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, so that you can be my witness, starting in your Jerusalem. And so it was almost like a wave for Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then the next wave for Samaria, and then the last one was, wow, for the uttermost part of the world. So I just saw these waves that is coming out of this house that is going to affect the nations. And you were steering the first wave. And I feel like what God is also doing here, that He is raising our people in this season. We have all gone through a shaking, and the things that can be shook is being revealed. So the unshakable identity is going to be left. So we are living right now where, we are, where He's restoring an unshakable kingdom and an unshakable king in the middle of all the shaking. And this identity of beloved sons and daughters is up on this identity, anointed sons and daughters, he's going to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. And he's going to give us some keys in this season, the keys of the kingdom, not just to the kingdom, but of the kingdom, so we can be involved in the loosing and binding business. So we are seeing that. And the second picture, so the first one was just a sensing that these waves that is going to come out of this season. And I feel like you're already going to start to see the first one coming in towards January. Uh, and, and I think the second picture I got was connected to this because the other picture I saw, you, it was like on a surfboard. And it kind of just took me in a moment during worship back to California, the first place during Ronald Reagan's uh, presidencies when me as a young Norwegian arrived in California. And the first place I went was Venice Beach that morning. And when I came to Venice Beach, I saw the surface. And that, I don't know why, but that picture came to my mind during worship, something I wouldn't think about. But it was like you were out on the surf, and you were trying to surf this one wave. But it looks like it was just going down and down and down. And then I realized there was this incredible wave that was coming in behind. And I felt just the Lord was saying that for many of you that in this season, there's just a shift going on. And it looks like, and even when he said there is kind of a being double for your trouble, but so many of us, we're so focusing on the wave, but it's just going down and down. But there is coming another wave, and I feel that the days, even in the next two to three weeks, is to position your surfboard for what is coming. Because there is a wave right now, and so many of us, we're trying to what has been. But he says, I'm doing something new. And when I'm doing something new, it has never been done before. So don't try to figure it out. Just getting into the hard work of rest. Position yourself because there's coming another wave. So it's time actually to go in the opposite direction and position yourself from a place of rest because there is coming another wave, and that's going to take you to places that you've never been before. So I just felt I wanted to say that. And then Haley and Kaylee is also here, and, and it's great and honor to have you here. And then I wanted to also, of course, honor my wife. Could you just give Jennifer a very good hand?
And I have to mention a couple of products because if not, I always forget. This is my wife. She has written an incredible children's book. And my daughter Courtney did this incredible illustration. And some of you already have it, but it's a, it's a story that I believe is just going to be a gift for many of your children if you maybe have different children. So if you're grandparents or parents, but she kind of took the story of each one of our child, described kind of the journey of the personality of each one of them and the uniqueness of kind of the strength and also some of the areas where, where, uh, where I can say where they also need grace, grace to enjoy and grace to endure. So it's kind of a true story of the kids, of the different personality, but also as a mama, how to be able to lead them towards their destiny. So anyway, beautiful children's book. So this is uh, the Hetland Children's Book Collection in special hardcover by Jennifer Hetland. And then I am very excited. You will see the video, and it's going to be more the topic, I believe, with all of my heart. And it's part of the assignment of this church uh, because the world has become a worldwide orphanage with 7.8 7 billion people, and the father wants his family back. If you tell me about any issue going on, including the three major crises, COVID-19, if you're talking about Black Lives Matter and what happened with George Floyd, if you're talking about the political climate, everything that you see there, you will see there's an exposure right now, the orphan spirit, in a way we've never seen it before. And in the middle of you see what the enemy means for evil, God means for good. And Lucifer, we're going to learn that, was the first orphan. And Lucifer, the first orphan with an orphan spirit. He is on major assignment. And that is because when the Father comes in, Father will tell you who you are. Shame will tell you who you are not. And over and over again, you will hear the whisper of that orphan spirit in the season. And the primary three things he's, been, he's trying to produce, fear, fear for the future, shame for today, and guilt from yesterday. And he's bringing about those different things. So we're in assignment with the enemy. The orphan spirit wants to divide. And what the father in the middle of, we're going to see a unity in a way we've never seen before. So I recognize where the thief came to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus always came to give life and life more abundantly. So I just wanted to give this book to you, Tyler. Congratulations, you're upgrade. So this is the new, the new healing orphan spirit book. And... Uh, I'm going to share about that afterwards. <laughs> Yay! While we are facing a COVID-19 pandemic in a world right now, there's been a silent pandemic plaguing us for many generations. All around the world today, there are people in our churches businesses, governments, and even in our homes that are operating out of an orphan spirit. Papa God has adopted us as sons and daughters. We are heirs of the inheritance of King Jesus. But there is an entire generation who are living as orphans, not as sons and daughters of glory. And they are currently 3.4 billion people who have very little access to the gospel message, the good news. And 1.7 billion people, they have no access to the gospel at all. So while we wait for the second coming of Jesus, they have never heard about the first. What would the world look like if the sons and daughters of glory 
They held prominent positions in society. How would the lives of every human change if we truly understood the depths of our Father's love for us? What if we all understood our identity? What would the world change if we all love like Jesus? People are Papa God's number one priority and he wants his kids back. His desire is that his sons and daughters would shed the lies and the stronghold that hinder love and step into the true identity as ambassadors of love to a world searching for a God that looks like Jesus. All of creation is longing for the entire manifestations of the sons and daughters of glory. The time for reformation is here. A tsunami wave of love is coming and the world as we know it will never be the same. The orphan spirit has plagued our world by causing sons and daughters to believe that they are insignificant and causing the family to believe they are homeless. Papa God wants one billion new sons and daughters to enter his kingdom and the Agatha Reformation is bringing a tsunami wave of love that will transform God's people and the world forever. Orphans will stand up and take their rightful place as heirs of the kingdom and will find their place at the table in the family of God. Family is what the kingdom looks like and Papa God wants his family back. This reformation, this Agatha reformation will be a revival that we've never seen on this earth. It will transform culture, government, and education, and will radically affect every sphere of society. Because when love moves in, fear moves out. Oh, it is time to take our place as ambassadors of love and show the world a God that looks like, and sounds like, and feels like Jesus. It is time for the Agape Reformation. I have uh, dedicated my life with two simple purposes. And number one is I want everyone in the world to know how good Papa God is and how loved they are. I'm living my life. I wake up in the morning. I go to bed. I have this one life to live and so much love to give. But when my focus is, I want every single one of those 7.8 billion people to have an experience with a God that looks like Jesus. And we know that Jesus is perfect theology. We know that the world actually, right now, creation is moaning and groaning for the very manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. The creation right now, the cry is, where are the sons? Where are the daughters? And in this journey, as I've been writing on this book, Healing the Orphan Spirit, I, mean, I want to just share a little bit of the background, a little of the story of this message, and then I kind of wanted to take you into what I believe is an upgrade in regard to some of the revelation that God has for now. Uh, I have to confess that uh, this orphan spirit thing, this is the problem when you are writing a book. You start to write something, and then you're realizing you have to be tested again. Uh, because you first receive something, but it's not before you become something that you can release it. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. 
So in the middle of this process is that suddenly you're starting there and realize that God is inviting you to an upgrade, but suddenly it looks like things goes in the opposite direction. And when you, go, when you get squeezed, what's in you comes out. And I didn't even realize before I started this journey that more and more that I thought that there was a surgery 20 years ago where you took out the orphan heart and, and gave me the spirit of sonship where you say, Abba, Papa, Father. But then as I realized as I go through this process that as you're going through a 2.0 version that there is some more tests so you can have some more testimonies. And there's a more story. So I wanted just to share a couple of those stories that kind of is behind this new upgrade. Uh, a few years ago, uh, actually, about 10 years ago, I, I arrived in a place called Ankeny, Iowa. I thought about it because a couple of days ago, I was sitting in my car in Peachtree City, and I got a phone call. And during the, we were just talking to one of my spiritual son, and I could feel this wave of his presence in the car. And finally, I had to tell the person, I cannot talk to you any longer. Actually, I had my AirPods, but I couldn't talk because the glory was getting so heavy in my car. I, I realized I'm in trouble in Peachtree City. I mean, they stop you if you have a little kind of a DUI tendency. And so I started to feel seriously. It was hard for me to drive. I wanted to get off the road and just start to weep because the father was just coming into the car with his love and his liquid love. But it took me back again because it was the same person that had called me all these years earlier. And I was heading to Ankeny, Iowa. And I was tired, to be honest. I'd just done some events with Bill and Randy. And then uh, the, the thing that was hurting my heart. I had seen some amazing creative miracles in Pakistan, and we had just come from Africa, Tanzania, saw some incredible creative miracles, blind eyes open, tumors disappearing. I mean, creative miracles. But when I came home to America, we saw healings, but I didn't see creative miracles headaches and arthritis, and I praise God, uh, even for the toe that was healed, because if it is your toe, it is a big deal. But, but at the same time, Pid, the pain of my heart is to go to the hotel room, and it was draining in me. To, when I came into the hotel room late at night, and there was a little Amy, a little girl, in one of the meetings, she was born without a leg, 12 years old, and mom and papa brought her to the meeting, and when Amy came up, uh, she said, all I, I want to do is to dance, and I believe that Jesus can grow up my leg, and and, and I've been prayed for all over the place, and can you pray? And I prayed and declared and stood on the Word and believed. And, and the pain of seeing the little girl, Amy, and I remember my daughter, Lila, at the time. She loved dancing. And so there was this thing on my father's heart. It's like as they rolled her, and you kind of could see the disappointment where she was just lowering her expectancy level so she didn't have to live with disappointments. And I realized also, as long as I have a high level of expectancy to God, I'm also feeling the pain of disappointments when it doesn't happen. And the tendency is just wanted to lower and lower and lower. And I started to realize it's happening with me that, yes, I will pray for people, but I didn't expect. I knew that God could, but I didn't know He would. And I, would, I, and I didn't believe He would do it now. There was something in me, I realized that when I came from place to place, city to city, stage four cancer, little children, with all kinds of things, and I was just, my heart started to be broken. And that night at Ankeny, at Hotland Assembly of God Church, there were some beautiful healings that was taking place. But then in the end of the meeting, I was tired, and I wanted to go to my hotel room. And first, there was one wheelchair that came up, a girl sitting there with cerebral palsy. And then I had somebody else, and this is the pastor's daughter. He's already lost a child to the same disease. And then there's another girl coming up in a wheelchair, sitting there, 
And I found out that for seven years earlier, she had been in a car accident. Everybody in the community knew who she was uh, because of this accident. And they'd taken her all over the country being prayed for. And now she is here again when you've been prayed for hundreds of times. And this is maybe 101 or 102. So her level of expectancy is low. I had not seen in America, if this was in Pakistan, my faith level would be up. But to be honest with you, I realize what's taking place in my life that when I'm in America, when I see these cases that, God, you can. It's like somebody winning the lottery. But I don't believe you will. Subconsciously, I don't. I know you can, but I don't know you will, and I don't believe you will do it right now. That was subconsciously. And it's part of me living with pain and disappointments. I didn't want that pain and be up another night in the hotel fighting and battling. And anyway, to make that story short, I prayed for the one with cerebral palsy over and over, and nothing happened. And I wanted to leave, but I wanted to be also, I'm known for being a person that's supposed to love well. So at least I thought, I, I want to make sure at least they felt well loved. That was kind of my bare minimum win. So I went over to Renee in the wheelchair. And instead of just declaring or praying over Renee, I said, Renee, what would you like Papa God to do for you? And she said, I... I want him to heal my orphan heart. I want to get rid of this orphan spirit. I said, what do you mean by that? She said, I, I've been all over. Actually, I was in a meeting with Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, and you in Minnesota a year ago. But I've been all over the country, and I've been prayed for. My mom takes me everywhere, and yes, I'm here. But I, I'm hearing the story that I'm a favorite one and all those different things, but I don't feel it. I feel more like an orphan than a beloved daughter. And something hits me deep. I had just been talking about this orphan spirit, and so I, I, I took this time, Renee, and I, honestly speaking, I put my arms around her, and I just started to weep, and normally that empathy, I, tried, I, I knew she was getting to me, and I just wept, and I just started to release the Father's love, how much he's loved by Papa God, and as these waves of love was coming over Renee, we were sitting there, and I was just like, God, I, I need a little help here. I need a little, if you could just give her a little hope. I don't have much hope. Her faith level is down. My faith level is down. And this is just the honest truth. Yeah. I had a word of faith guy later on that says to me, hey, why didn't you just command her to get up of that wheelchair? And I told him, why didn't you command her to get up of the wheelchair? Yeah, come on. Come on. I'm honest. It was according to the measure of faith I had, not what I did not have. Yeah, come on. Yeah. So I asked Renee, I said, what, what would you like Papa to do then? And then I, I felt I had a little word, this tiny little word. So listen to that still small voice. And I said, Renee, let's ask God for you're going to do one little thing today, one little thing where you know that God is going to heal you. That's all I had. So she said, yeah, that, okay, so we believe in that. And I looked at her body, and I'm honest with you. I looked, what looks the simplest for God? That's just where I went. And one hand was like this. The other one was a little better. So I thought, that's the one. Let's ask God that you can move your fingers. Can you move? And she says, no. Let's ask that you're going to move your finger one inch. And she said, yeah, I, I believe that. So with our low level of faith, we went in and I, I prayed. I said, can, can, can you move? And she said, no. I prayed second times. So I declared. I commanded. I, I did everything. And by the fourth time, I'm like, whew, this doesn't help me. God, I need a little help here. And then suddenly her fingers started to move like this. My faith level went boop. How many of you believe that I stopped praying? How many of you believe that God is tired? 
Now, at that moment, it was something in me. So I said, because again, I've realized one thing is when God is moving, I want to move. When he stays still, I wait. So I just started to pray for the second time, make this story short for the sake of time. Eventually, it was her hand, and then it was her arms. It was an hour and 45 minutes process. I said, Pastor Dave, come here. He's the widowed daughter with cerebral palsy. He's still pastor and have a service there today. I said, put your hand on her leg, and you could feel the creative miracle taking place. It was like waves going up and down. And that day, when eventually I'm standing there and holding, I said, Renee, let's see if you can come up. And when she stands up and touches my hands, and she's coming up of that wheelchair, and then she takes the first step, Another 30 minutes afterwards, she's running all over the building, and all the children are running. But it was a life lesson for me, and I've seen since then, it was almost, there was something that took place that I realized all over that, that there's all these things that the Father wants to do. But so many of us, what the enemy is doing, he, he's, he's helping us to feel more like orphans than sons and daughters. And I had another experience, just two small testimony that kind of led to this book and the experience. The other one, we were in Tanzania, and Papa Jack was with us. There was a whole group. I think we had 120 people on the team. And this was right down from Kilimanjaro in Moshi. And uh, I was about to go up and share and speak, and I felt the Holy Spirit just whisper to me. And he just kind of word, asked them, what is Papa in Swahili? So I asked my translator, what is Papa? And he said, Papa. And I'm like, wow, I like that. I've adopted it since. I speak Swahili now. Papa. <laughs> so I, I felt the Holy Spirit just said, it was like a word of knowledge. Just ask them uh, to say, ask them to say, Papa. 11,500 people, they say, Papa. And second time, Papa. Third time, fourth time. And it was like a wind that came in over the place. And we had a guy named Tom Hauser, who was pastoring Wilmington. They had a deliverance tent, and then we had a healing tent. But we ended up with 9,500 healings and deliverances. It just swept across the place. Mass healing and mass salvation deliverances. Just saying, Papa. And afterwards, I was asking, what, what actually took place? Many of them are lost, and suddenly they got this incredible experience. Heaven came down, and he said, if you can just get all of them, instead of being orphans and sons and daughters, just even to declare who I am, they can know who they are. And it is the Father's good will to give his sons and daughters good gifts. And something was taking place, and I'm going to kind of give you a little background and theology because I believe this is the biggest war going on in the world right now. It is between this orphan spirit and the spirit of sonship or daughtership. You are included, ladies. So when you're hearing sonship, that's you. Okay. Both the people online watching, if you are a lady, I want you to say, say, I'm a son. Okay, one, two, three. The ladies... Because I'm hearing you men also here, or some ladies maybe with deep voices. <laughs> but I want all of you men to say, 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 I'm a bride. Say it again, I'm a bride. All of us men, we're going to be the bride of Christ for eternity. You ladies are only sons temporary. So you get to be sons while we're here on earth. We're going to have to be the bride of Christ for eternity. So when he talks about sonship, it is always the spirit of sonship that says, Abba, Father. It's not about male or female. It is, it is not a gender thing. It is a spirit thing. And it's connected to the spirit of adoption. But if I took everyone here and everyone watching online, if I took you on a journey back to eternity past, 
Eternity past. That's a long, long journey. That's before creation. That's before there is anything. The Bible begins with, in the beginning, God. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, before there is anything, there is God. So, the simple principle with Genesis 1.1 is, begin with God. Everything begins with God, and it ends with God. So, start your life by beginning with God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, and the Hebrew word is Elohim. In the beginning, there is a Father. There is a Son. There is a Holy Spirit. In the beginning, there is a family. Before there is anything, there is the Father, there is the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you were asked the question, if I took you back again to this beautiful place in heaven, in a perfect place, meeting the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if I were to ask the Father. Who is the most important? Is it the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? What do you believe the answer is? Uh, the answer is yes. If you ask the Father, He points to the Son. If you ask the Son, He points to the Spirit. If you ask the Spirit, He points to the Son. If you ask the Son, He points to the Father. It's called the culture of honor. And honor is what love looks like. You can see that all from Genesis to Revelation. You see this pattern. They are totally one, at one meant atonement. The covenant here, they are totally one with one another. The way they honor one another, the way they love one another, the interdependence between the Father, Son, Spirit. If you start to study that model, and if we had a time, because this whole journey starts there, it didn't even start in the garden. So if I took you back there, but I want you to see something. The Father loved the Son. Say that with me. The Son loves the Spirit. The Spirit loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. But I want you to say, the Son loved the Son the way the Father loves the Son. This is the key. Jesus loved Jesus the way the Father loved Jesus. There is this oneness there. But if I also take you back again, you can read, I did a whole chapter on this in the book about Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. If you take you back again into the beginning, there was this beautiful, beautiful archangel. Some says, J.J., that he was a worship leader. His name was Lucifer. Beautiful and also wise. It describes there about the wisdom he had. But there was something definitely unwise with his wisdom. It's kind of a Solomon. So Lucifer, I want you to capture this. He is also there in the beginning, and you read that, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. But here you see, the Father loved the Son, the Son loved the Spirit, Spirit loved the Son, Son loved the Father. The Father loved the Son, but the Son loved the Son the way the Father loved the Son. This is the key for your life and my life. Because there's no place then where there is a root fear. Because if there's a root fear in your life, there's a place where Lucifer can traffic. Any place of darkness, he can travel where there's darkness. So Job, who was the, most, the richest man on the earth, and the, the most righteous man on the earth, and the richest man in the east, he has still a root fear. The best in the world still had a root fear. He says, the very thing I fear came against me. And there's no place the enemy could have attacked him if he didn't have a root fear. But he says, the very thing I fear came against me. And I want you to capture this because we heard the word double earlier. In Job 42, 10, you will see that double for your trouble. But until this journey, the root issue with Job was Job didn't love Job the way the father loved Job. Job loved God with all of his heart. He even loved his enemy. But he still didn't love himself the way the Papa God loves him. And that was the root of Lucifer. The father loved Lucifer. 
the family of heaven loved Lucifer, but Lucifer didn't love Lucifer the way that the father loved Lucifer. And you can read that very clearly in the fall. What Lucifer says, I don't need a father. I don't want anybody to be above me. If I become like the most high, I'm going to feel better about myself. And it started with a truth deficiency, and that truth deficiency led to a love deficiency that became a blessing deficiency. So when Lucifer eventually rebelled against God because he didn't want the Father, that's the start of the orphan heart and the orphan spirit. And when he left heaven, he left with one-third of the fallen angels. So if you talk about war without orphans, widows, you talk about crime, you talk about what's going on as I was listening to both CNN and Fox on my way home from the city yesterday, orphan spirits everywhere. The tension we're dealing with in this country, you can see that orphan spirit that is totally there. And, and, and it is being so much manifested all over the earth that we have to understand there's one-third fallen angel, a demonic realm that is operating, and they can traffic, and they can move, and they can influence. It actually costs the global economy $9.6 trillion. Put that into perspective. If we took back 10% of what the orphan spirit cost the world because people are operating from that spirit, we can meet every basic need in the world, every widow, every orphan, everybody could have basic housing, clean water, basic food, basic education, the whole world. We don't have a money problem in the world. We have a heart problem in the world. We don't have a darkness problem, but lack of light, and light is always greater than darkness. So I want us to capture that. So Lucifer left there, and then let me, ooh, time is moving so quickly. Are you guys Okay. I just think this is such a key, and I know it's like 12 hours I'm putting together in 40 minutes. But when the Father, Son, Spirit led us, say led us. It didn't say let me, it said let us. Let Father, Son, Spirit, let's man, let's make man in our image. Let's create a family on earth that looks like the family in heaven, that honors the way we honor, that loves the way we love, that are interdependent instead of independent like the orphan spirit. Well, I need you and you need me. When your stock goes up, my stock goes up because this is a family business. If the enemy attacks one of us, he attacks all of us because we are family. That we are becoming the unanswered prayer to Jesus, that we are actually going to be one as he and the Father is one. And that we are going to love one another in such a way that the world would see who we are because the way we love one another. But I cannot fully love you until I fully love me. And I cannot love me until I know how much my Father loves me. And until I'm in that one moment, how my father loves me. And I love me the way my father loves me. Because you love your neighbor as you love your... Six and a half days of creation. Norwegian wool sweater. I'm sure there in the garden there was no wool sweaters because they were naked. <laughs> so here we are in this garden... Six and a half days of creation, and God goes into the highlight of His creation. He goes into dust, and He takes the dust of the ground, and He does something. He spoke everything else into existence, but now He is about to come to the highlight of His creation. He goes into the dust, and He makes a picture, an image of Himself. And to see God and going into the dust and doing something as He makes this image in the dust, and He breathes into it. 
Hebrew word is ruach, similar when Jesus breathed pneuma, he breathed a breath, and suddenly we got filled with the Spirit. We went from natural to supernatural. God is breathing in, and I want you to capture this with me, and dust becomes a living being. It becomes Adam. Here's my question is, what do you think is the first face that Adam ever saw? God breathes, and Adam comes up, Papa Swahili. What do you believe is the first voice that Adam ever hear? Here he comes up, looking into the face of a loving father. He hears the voice of his loving. What is the first feeling you have? Because here he is in this perfect place with a perfect God. It is the perfect love of his. And then he's living right there in a place called delight and pleasure. Eden means delight or pleasure. He's right there in the delight and the pleasure of his loving father. I believe the first thing he actually said was, Abba, means Papa in Swahili. Papa elefar in Norwegian. Padre in Spanish. Maybe Papa or Daddy for you. Why do I believe that? Because I believe the first thing he came, Papa. He's looking into his face, seeing his face. That's when you see, when you can see his face, you can see who you are. What you're beholding is what you're becoming, and what you become is what you release. Seeing his face, hearing his voice, feeling his love, experiencing his presence, and abiding and resting in the Father's pleasure. Having an A-plus before you take the exam. Why live from pressure as an orphan when you can live from pleasure as a beloved son and daughter? Well, let me say that one more time. Why would you want to live from pressure as an orphan when you can live from the Father's pleasure as a beloved son and daughter? Why would you want to live from measure when you can live from fullness? Why are you living for love as an orphan when you can live from love as a beloved son and daughter? And I could just go on and on, but I have to stop. And moving into Eve, all of you ladies just wave to me. And some of this I've done before here, but I want you to know the Bible says God brought Eve to Adam. So my question to you is, who did Eve see before she saw Adam? If God brought Eve to Adam, that verse hit me. Because here Eve, Papa, seeing his face, hearing his voice, feeling his love, experiencing his presence, and Eve was just being overwhelmed by his delight and his pleasure. Wow. And then God brought Eve to Adam. And here you see the first marriage. And then the Father blessed them, not to do, but to be. Be fruitful, be love, be joy, be peace. As I am, so are you. He blessed them to be fruitful, multiply, and fill this whole earth. God wanted a family, and he wanted a family to be multiplied so we could fill this whole earth with a family that honors the way he honors, that loves the way he And we know this story. Then eventually, this is the shortness of this. Eventually, we know the story that Lucifer, who was an orphan, he came in to a serpent, and he said, did God really say... Lucifer was the first liberal theologian. He's questioning the Word of God. Did God really say? Now listen here, Eve. It's like if I'm asking Northland family and the people watching online. If I ask you a question, how many here would like to be like Jesus? Let me just see. I'm sure this is not the trickier question. This is kind of a, the deception of Lucifer. 
Lucifer comes into Eve and says, Eve, hey, listen, would you like to be like God? Like Papa? Of course I want to be like him. <gasps> hey, listen, if you eat from this tree, then you're going to be like him. Ah, oh. because here's the orphan spirit. If I do, say if I do. Say if I do. Then I have. Then I become. Welcome to the orphan world with the orphan spirit. That started with Lucifer. Now they have fallen onto the earth. So he says, if you do, if you eat from this, you're going to be like him. If you do something, if you perform for something, if you do something, you will have something. And that's how you become something. Listen, she already had an A plus on her report card. Everything that the father had was already hers. And why does she go in now feeling she have to do something to have something to become something? And this is the root issue on a global level. It's manifested in rebellion or religion. And then that led to the fall, and we know the story, Adam, and then we can just continue. But I wanted to capture, because this is the key verse, because we often say, what happened to Adam and Eve when they can no longer be in the garden. They can no longer be in the family. They chose the orphan wool, and they chose to follow the orphan spirit. They suddenly start to covering up their nakedness, and you know that when you put your fig leaves on. And my wife and I just had a little issues with some disagreement, to put it in a light way. <laughs> Last night we had one of those. And, and what a tendency is when he did or she did, or but you did and you said. Have you ever been there? And this is what's happening in the garden. They start to blame one another. It's the blame-shame game. And then you will start to see they put on fig leaves. F stands for fear. I, insecurity. G, guilt. L, lonely. E, escapism. A, anxiety. F, failure. Covering up. He did, she did. <laughs> and then take you through... If I had a chance, take you through all the books so you can trace Jacob. And he continued, fought for the birthright, fought for the blessing, but it was a father hunger in his life, but it was not before he came in. I'm not going to let go of you until me bless me. He has already got the, both the blessing and the birthright. What is he looking for? Still on the inside, there's a black hole. He visited Bethel, open heaven. Angels are ascending and descending. Still something missing. He had visitation, but he didn't know how to have habitation. Why? There's a black hole in his soul. There's an orphan heart. There's an orphan spirit deep in. That day the father says to an angel of Yahweh, Tiffany, comes in. What is your name? Jacob, orphan name. Abram, you cannot produce nation out of Abram. You have to be Abraham. See you the way Papa God sees you. Thinking about you, that's the prophecy over yourself in this season. That I'm in agreement with what my father says about me. I know this is my circumstances. I have some COVID lungs right now. I have this fungal infection. I have some of the stuff left over from COVID. But here's what my father says about me. It is true what I'm saying. I'm not going to lie. But the truth sets me free. Well, actually knowing the truth. And that's what my father says. The last word of the Old Testament is the word curse. He's turning 
This is how he ends the old covenant, turns the father's hearts towards the children, children's hearts towards the father, and that's going to break the curse that is in the land. 400 years of silence, and then it comes. This is the genealogy of Jesus. The son of Abraham, son, son, son of, the son of David. One is the lamb, the other one is the lion. Covenant, kingdom, Jesus is coming, son. And then you go through the journey, and I wish we had a chance, but I wanted to give you two verses for free, and then a little homework. Are you guys okay? Am I going too fast? But it is a key to freedom, because it is whom the Son set free that is free indeed. It is where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. And that Spirit rests upon sons and daughters, upon identity. And the intimacy comes from that place of identity. Wow. Then in Matthew 3, 17, Jesus for 30 years had been a son in the natural. And then the heavenly father comes in as mom and papa. Joseph and Mary is about to give him the family business. And then the heavenly father comes in. Wow. Get baptized in water. Heaven opens up. Baptized in the spirit. The dove comes down. Not to visit, but to stay. We have a visitation of the dove. And then we live with pigeons the rest of the week. And pigeon religion is very different when the dove is there. We are like Jacob until you become an Israel, a prince. You go back to the Jacob nature, if that's your nature. If the orphan heart is still there, sooner or later it will be exposed. And then uh, he was baptized in love. This is my. Baptized in water, baptized in the spirit, baptized in love. One is the first reformation, justification by faith, grace alone, the reformation of grace. Second was the reformation of power, the Holy Spirit. Then this is the reformation of love, the agape reformation that is coming. And we're right now, there's about a birth of a reformation. A billion new sons and daughters is coming home. God is raising up a family on earth that looks like the family on heaven. How do I know? Because he started with a family and he ends with a family, represented from every nation, tongue, tribe, and language. He starts with a garden, he ends up with a garden city. And I could just go on and on. What he started, he ends. And you and I, we are the generation that are living for such a time as this. They get to be part of this tsunami wave of love that is about to sweep the world. Where the world is going to see how good Papa God is and how loved they are. They're going to have an encounter with a God like Jesus. To ordinary people like you and I that have stepped into our identity. And out of that identity, there is an intimacy. And then we are living from inheritance, not towards it. And then we're stepping into our destiny, our uniqueness, our special place. We're no longer copies, we become originals, showing the world who our Father is, but looking at sons and daughters. Matthew 3, 17, this is my, and this is my beloved. You are His, and you are His beloved. You are His beloved son, His beloved daughter. The Father loves you, and He is well pleased with you. This is before you have done anything, before He healed any sick, before any miracles, before He did anything. He had an A+. Plus. And then in John 14, 18, and I'm landing this. <gasps> There's so much burning in my spirit. In John 14, 18, it says, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will not leave you as an orphan, JJ. I will not leave you as an orphan. Tyler, I will not leave you as an orphan. Kaylee, I will not leave you as an orphan. Leif, I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. Why is he crying that out? Because all he did is what he saw his father do. 
And all he says is what he heard his father say. At that moment, and he didn't just say what he heard the father say. He said it in the way the father was saying it. So when Jesus said that very word, he says, you're no longer going to be alone. You're no longer going to be in this planet earth struggling and striving and trying to become who you already are. Could I say that one more time? You no longer have to continue to strive and struggle and try to become who you already are. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. It's because the Father wants His family back. And when Jesus cried out, and I will land, I actually have permission to go a little over today since, since I've had COVID-19. <laughs> since I'm safe. Since my love tank is down. Since I miss being around people. Be able to share this, not just to a computer, but to look you into the eyes, even when you have masks. I can see the eyes when you're receiving revelation. When you look in the mirror and you see you the way Papa God sees you. When you have the renewed mind and you start to thinking about you the way he thinks. Whoa! Romans 12, 2. And when you suddenly now start to coming into agreement and that's the prophecy, you start to speak into the mirror and you're saying, this is what my father says about me. I know this is true, but it is not the truth. And knowing the truth sets me free. And I start to prophesy and speak into those circumstances. I speak into my giant. I stop talking about my giant. And then I start to love me the way Papa God loves me, so I can love you. And we create a tsunami wave of love. So here it is, John 14, 18. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. And on the cross, Jesus took your sin. For you who are watching, if you're struggling with sin, Jesus took your sin so that you can become righteous with his righteousness. He took your shame so that now you are glorified. He took your curse so you could enter into all of his blessing. He took your sickness and disease so by his stripes you are healed. He took your lack so that you could share in his abundance. But I believe, this is Leif Hetland, don't blame Greg for this. Leif Hetland theology. I believe what actually pretty much killed Jesus all through the three-some years, he called him Papa, Father, our Father. But at this moment, he says, Eli, 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 lama sabatani. My God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For a moment, just for a moment, Jesus became an orphan, separated, the very thing he had had from eternity past with his Father, this perfect love. For a moment, he was separated from that perfect love with one focus, one agenda as part of his divine change. And that was to restore us back again into that covenant, into that kingdom, into that one month that the Father, Son, Spirit have had since the beginning. For a moment, he became an orphan so that you and I can be sons and daughters. For a moment, he was separated from perfect love so that you and I can be restored back again to this perfect love. I encourage you to join me. Let this wall become an orphan-free zone. Let's do an orphanectomy even this morning. Get rid of the orphan heart and place that with spirit of sonship. It is the Father's good will to give his sons and daughters good gifts. You don't have to live towards inheritance when you can live from inheritance and to be a co-heir with Jesus Christ. Can we stand to our feet? Wow.
for as many, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You did not receive the spirit. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Papa, Papa, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children, that we are the sons and daughters of God. And I know with this COVID-19, with all the tension that's been going on, including in the state of Georgia, there's a war going on, and you will feel the heights of the orphan spirit. Things has moved in, because here's the thing is, orphans are insecure. Orphan has a love deficiency. Orphan doesn't have a value in the Father's love. And they're looking for purpose, and orphans are looking for affirmation. So the security, love, value, purpose, and affirmation that we have as sons and daughters. When orphans are not secure, they're looking for possessions to fill that gap. When orphans do not feel love, they're going after passions. If I get that position, or if we win, or if you lose, or orphans are going in here. So if you do not have those things, if there's love defic deficiency, there's God deficiency, you're looking for love in the wrong places. And if you don't have the right value, you're looking for a position. If I just get this position, then I'm going to feel value. And I'm just going to release even at this moment because I felt that even earlier today, just this cry of Jesus. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And as for me, I'm, I've been wrestling with this. As I'm releasing this book, I realize there's some, that's not who you are, life. You're a son. You're not orphanless. Your father is your provider. He is your strength. He is your wisdom. The refrigerator is full. It's not like there is a pizza and he got a slice and I didn't know. He got healed, so I didn't know. He owns the bakery. There's no limit in him. So, Father, I just release, even this morning, there's people watching. You're tired, you're weary, and what fear and shame and guilt is trying to get onto us. I will not leave you as an orphan. I will come to you. It is an invitation in this season for the Father, for us to step into that identity as beloved sons and daughter, and just saying, I am, I am His, I am Papa's, I'm his beloved, I'm his beloved son, or I'm his beloved daughter, and my papa loves me, he likes me, he delights in me, and he is well pleased with me. I have an A plus on my report card, I don't have to prove anything. And when I hear that voice, if you are a son, if you're a daughter, do something. No, I know who I am, and I know who my father says, I don't have to prove anything. Lucifer, you are a liar. And I know the spirit of truth that sets me free. I bless the Northland family. I bless this wave that is going to come in this season, a wave of love, joy, that is going to touch here. It's going to make it hard for people to go to hell and easy for people to go to heaven because they're going to, oh, whoa, they're going to be in contact with that perfect love that takes away all fear. Whoa. The kindness and the goodness that leads to repentance, the metanoia, the shift of thinking. From orphans there's place at the family table and I'm just seeing people finding their place at the family table the orphan world is looking for a home and I thank you the Northland family is going to be a family 
with the orphans is coming. But I feel God is starting with His people in this season. He's shaking the things that can be shook. Let's go. Let, let go. Let go. Let go. Hold your hands open. Come home. Come home. And experiencing the freedom in the middle of the shaking. Knowing what you build your life upon is unshakable. I love you. I celebrate you. I value you. And I honor you for not giving up. You're still here. But in this next season, enter into the hard work of rest. Rest in your position as a beloved son and daughter of a good, good papa. Amen. Once again, Leif and Jennifer and the team, thanks so much for being here and ministering to us. And, and that's, in light of the year that we've had, I, I can't think of a more timely message. So I would just encourage you, uh, just as Leif said, that children's book, it's a perfect way to speak life into your own kids, to continue to speak sonship over them. Uh, and then also just for us as well, make the point to, to grab that book. They're actually uh, in, in the lobby there and you can grab them uh, on your way out. Uh, I do, do want to say we've got a lot going on with Give Joy. So first and foremost to the parents, if you would serve us well by going and grabbing your kids uh, ASAP as we're closing out. We would love to do that. We, we let the, the classes know that we were running a little bit behind, so they're going to be just fine, but it would, it would help us well if you're a parent with a kid in River Zone Jam or in Little Lambs. Uh, you can do that right after the service. If you need prayer for anything at all, and if any of these words at all describe the situation or circumstance that you're going through, we want to connect and pray with you. A little bit different from our usual, because we're going to be setting up the auditorium for Give Joy and Packing Boxes. Our ministry team, led by uh, the Morcellas here, they're going to be in the front lobby there, right in the screen. These, these words of knowledge will actually be in the lobby as well. You'll see them there. Prayer for anything at all, we would love to stand with you, and you can do that in our front lobbies. Now, uh, we're going to be packing right after the service. If you are a part of the serving team, you're going to see a countdown clock come in as we're closing out. After that countdown clock gets to zero, that is when we're going to be kicking off and packing. I'll have Hannah and Holly give us instruction. Uh, and if, if, if you're serving and you are, would consider yourself a heavy lifter, I need a team of people who can lift and move some chairs quickly. This section over here, we're going to press up against the wall. So if you would come and see me after the service, I would love to start our serving today uh, with that in mind. But with that being said, have a phenomenal, phenomenal rest of your week. And we will We'll see you next Sunday.